Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Traumatized Bachelorette podcast. I am, as always, super happy to be talking to all of you again. It's been about a week, two weeks, a long time since I have last dropped an episode. I am super excited because, as always, it's not just me. I have Lexi here with me today, and we get to chit-chat about religious trauma. Hi, Lexi. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It is going. Uh, For you listeners, I want you to know that Lexi has been kind enough to pause her very pregnant life and hop on the podcast with me so you said eight weeks away from yep I am due the very end of August so it's coming up it's it's approaching very quickly (laughs) that's you know like I'm not even pregnant and I'm stressed like that's (laughs) I, I really appreciate you so um how about you tell us just a little bit little background about you um you know what whatever you think that um, the listeners need to know about yourself, um, and and I'll just put in that uh, uh, Lexi and I know each other because we worked together in one of the most traumatizing work atmospheres ever. Uh, so we just like bonded over that, which you know I don't know if that's healthy or not, yeah. but no. <laughs> we did. We did. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up the daughter of a pastor's kid. So there were a lot of high expectations. I grew up in the church um, all the way through high school. My first college experience, um, very much steeped in the Southern Baptist worldview. And then I moved out on my own and realized that that was very different than the real world. (laughs) Very different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So basically... Today, what we're chirping about is religious trauma, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really thankful again, Lexi, for you being willing to talk about this because I feel like it's a topic that is very cliche to speak about, um, but it definitely needs to happen. And if anyone's going to do it bluntly, it is going to be you. So, um, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, you were homeschooled. Yeah, so I was actually, before I was homeschooled, I went to a very conservative private Christian school, um, kindergarten through first grade. And then in third grade, the third grade teacher told my mom that she was not going to teach me because I was too um, lively. (laughs) So my mom pulled me out um, and decided that homeschooling was going to be God's calling for both of our lives. And in third grade, I'm nine. I think it's awesome that I get to stay home in my pajamas all day and do schoolwork. Yeah. So I was all for it then. Um, and we started off with a very um, religious curricula. And it everything was based around the Bible, Bible verses, learning about the law and the Old Testament. It just, every aspect of our lives was steeped in God. Yeah. And what he had to say about it. Yeah. So from a very, very young age, everything was revolving around church and God's influence in your life and his direction. And there wasn't a whole lot of thinking for yourself, yeah. um, which was a very hard adjustment later in life when I was on my own. 
and had to make those decisions that aren't easily found in scripture, you know, Um, like where to find a job. Yeah. Yeah. Laid out, you know? Yeah. Um, There's no fishermen out there these days. (laughs) In Indiana. Yeah, um, right, right. In the middle of Indiana, there's no place to go cast my net and make disciples, you know? So, um, yeah. being told, and I will say this as a disclaimer, there's nothing wrong with teaching and educating your children at home. Mm-hmm. When I say the religious trauma came from homeschooling, I'm talking specifically about, like, the quiverful homeschool disciple movement. Yeah. Like, the Duggars the the baits those kinds of families yeah Um, yeah the those were the circles i ran in um and it was very much traumatic and detrimental in some ways yeah so um now that you're mentioning the duggars because this has always been a fascination of mine um just because i think they're so uh i don't even have a word for it not a nice one anyways but um (laughs) so with the Quiverful movement, um, first and foremost, like, give us a little definition of that. And then I have a follow up question for that. Okay. If I remember. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, the Quiverful movement is exactly um, what you kind of think of a quiverful of your arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, so being the oldest child, I was the first one to be drawn back and then let go and make a way for my siblings. Um <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not the way that my parents saw fit. Um, So the Quiverful movement is basically um, children are a blessing, and I do agree with that 100%. um, But the more you have, the more influence you have. So there's a ton of stress put on that. And um, if you struggle with infertility or things like that, you're just not believing and praying hard enough that God will fill your quiver. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's kind of what I mean by the quiverful movement yeah. that I grew up in. Yeah. Okay. So Duggars. And yes. I think they're I'm like like you previously stated, the perfect example of the quiverful movement because there's, you know, mm-hmm. lots of them. But something that will always stick with me um for the Duggars is like the the teaching of like how women are supposed to be and behave and in their place in the family was that something that was a part of like your family and your homeschooling experience and your religious experience oh absolutely um within that little realm there were so many other avenues that were that were um tastefully twisted I guess you can say um I actually went to finishing school um in high school as part of like a summer school camp and I learned how to sew all of my own dresses and cook and stay at home and hold on did you say finishing school yeah finishing school so for for context um it was a historical reenactment school um but I went down to Tennessee for a week each summer and I learned how to be a proper lady, um, read and write Latin, proper graveside etiquette, what brandy to serve to a soldier's family once he's fallen, those kinds of things. Um, all in the name of being hospitable to welcome people into the kingdom of God. Um, so any 
any aspect of my life that you could take and strip my personal identity from and replace it with God was done. Um, you know, you've seen the memes on Facebook, like someone asks you a question and suddenly you don't know yourself. Yeah. That was my entire early 20s. Yeah. I had no idea because I didn't leave God, but I definitely left the church environment right. um, because of all of that, because of the trauma that comes with what the Quiverful movement and the Duggars preach and teach. Well, and I feel like you you made a very good point of like stripping you of yourself and replacing it with God. And I think that there is a lack of understanding um, as to what a relationship with Christ looks like. Like, yes, God made you and he loves you and you have a relationship with him, but he also wants you to like be be you be a person you know like you are yourself are not god and and god i you know i believe that he wouldn't want you to be in the world and moving through the world not knowing like okay what am i supposed to do like people literally take like you're supposed to be christ-like and they take it to the extreme it's like christ your actions and the way that you behave not christ like you as a personality exactly god didn't make (laughs) god didn't make us to be many christs he made us to be multifaceted reflections of the characteristics he is so my biggest thing is like and you know this i love people so hard Mm -hmm. um you can tell me anything i will hold it in confidence i will cry with you i will be angry with you I will well not with you but you know what I mean I will share in those feelings with you um because I think that's the biggest part of what Christ means to me yeah so that's kind of the aspect that I take that I continue to believe of Christianity um so like I said I didn't leave God I left the church because of what the church did yeah, absolutely. And and it's something that a lot of women are doing. Um, my dad and I were talking the other day, and I cannot remember um, the statistics, you know, the important part of what you <laughs> think. But um, there are so many, when there's a survey that was done, then there's so many women that are like, I'm leaving the church, but I still have a relationship with Christ. And, and I don't think churches are looking at that. Go figure. And and they're not seeing the issues with that. They just see like, if you left the church, then you're just, then you're just crap. Then you're straying away from Christ. And it's like, then my dad calls it church little C where it's like, you are not actually the church. You suck, you're predators and you support abuse and you use the scripture to control and, and further abuse and, and indoctrinate in a very evil way. And so um, I think that it's really interesting that you're like, you make making those statements of like, I did not leave God, like he's still here and we still have a relationship. It's just, I have separated myself from the church because that's mm-hmm. a huge thing that is going on right now. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm happy you got out. I'm happy <laughs> too. <laughs> because sometimes people sometimes people don't and it's a really really sad sad thing to see for sure so speaking of getting out you get launched into the real world right uh and 
you know nothing about the real world world i knew absolutely nothing like that's it sounds like such a cliche statement but i knew absolutely nothing like down to my budgeting um i knew that 10 percent of every part of my paycheck would go to some sort of outreach or church or something like that when I almost got evicted, like, right. because I yeah. didn't pay my rent. Like, yeah. I didn't know anything when I made it out on my own. I knew how to be a good student. I knew how to get scholarships. I knew how to clean a house and I knew how to care for people. But I did not know that mental health was a thing that I should be worried about. I didn't know that. Um, the thing. Yeah. The thing. Like, I was a really crappy person for probably the first two or three years that I was out on my own because I judged people so hard. Like, how could you not know these things? Like, mm-hmm. did your parents not care to raise you like minded? Yeah. And it clicked that, oh, I was raised in a bubble of, well, if it's not my conviction, it's wrong. Right. Right. And, yeah. So hitting the real world and finding out things about myself, like, okay, um, it's not me showing love to others when I'm just people pleasing and right. not taking time for myself and then being short circuited and just burnt out all the time. Like that's not caring about myself and it's not going to help other people either. Right. Like right. it was, it was, that in and of itself was a whole trauma experience. We could do an yeah. entire episode, on. but <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't go there or maybe not yet. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, it'll be a three part. We'll, we'll do like a special. <laughs> I'll just be a three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with the, you, like you mentioned a mental break in that. So how, like, what are some ways that you kind of, escalated like you like it's it's you know you you hit the realization that like okay wait there are things outside of my bubble of twisted religion that I have been fed and then and then you're it's like I don't know how to function in that and then and then you gotta figure out okay well what's the next move and there's always always an escalation and people always people like as a pastor's daughter as well people always try and attribute it to just like oh they're just wild and they're crazy and you know because they were so sheltered and they just want to do the exact Mm -hmm. opposite of what they were taught and it's like you know sometimes the things that we were taught were a little bit traumatic you know and I'm talking taught from our parents but like people inside the church little c as well so like what was your escalation point (laughs) like (laughs) you actually hit the nail right on the head it was an actual mental break um i don't know if i told you this or you knew but while we were working together um i was actually buying and selling drugs on the side i was constant i was i was not sober in any sense of the word um I legitimately this. I knew nothing. So I, I was, I hid it really, really well. Um, yeah. I thought I actually found some pictures from an experience. And I was like, I thought that I was passing for okay, yeah. um, but I was not. I was drinking constantly. 
there was a time where I was so caught up in trying to feel numb using anything. Um, it was mostly pills and weed and wine, <laughs> but like hey, I showed up there. Okay. The wine. Okay, the wine. Wine is great. It's fabulous, but in excess, it was, it was a bad time. Um, but that was my mental break. Like it took me showing up to class sober one day and my teacher's asking if I was all right. And I was like, Oh crap. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. Maybe I should get some friends that can help me. Um, which is actually about the time that you and I started getting really close. Um, because we have such similar experiences growing up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was an actual mental break that kind of jolted me to this, I don't know, realization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I, so bringing the brother's atmosphere up again, like, <laughs> I think that, um, like, you and I both had different kinds of mental breaks. Like, I've, I fell out of of Ball State. Like I had mm-hmm. to, I was I I was kicked out of Ball State for a couple of semesters. Like I could not come back until two semesters had passed. Which I don't understand that rule at all. It was like think about what you did for two semesters, and then maybe we can talk about it. But whatever. Right. So, but the atmosphere of brothers is literally work hard and then drink with the same people that you are working with, and it's just like mm-hmm. over. And you and you and I did like evening shifts. So we were there from what, five to, you know, sometimes two, three in the morning and then have classes the next day. And it's just like this endless cycle. And you're in this atmosphere in which like rooted inside of you, you know that this is not like the atmosphere that you want to be in and you know, it's not healthy, but the thought process of like, as long as it's not the abusive religious situation that I was in, it's better than, you know, it, it's Absolutely. It's, it's, it was both like a numbing effect, but also like, I'm not feeling that pain anymore. So like, it must be good. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's exactly, I don't think you could have put it any better. It's just, it was one of those places that you get sucked in and it's almost it's hard to leave because you have good days there and there are times where money is real good and the people are lining up just right and you're you're like okay I'm doing the things like I've got it it's it's okay I've got a handle on it and then as soon as you get that grip everything just spirals again yeah yeah I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I told Brett to take the rest of his shifts and shove it. However, yeah. <laughs> I will say I'd never apologized for that. Um, Lord, forgive me for that, but I, I'm not sorry. But um, so something that I would like to circle back to, because it, again, I find it so intriguing with the quiverful movement and the Duggars and the finishing school like being basically being taught how to be a woman and literally like an indoctrination of submission how on earth did you like like what what did that look like for you in the real world outside Uh, I 
it's kind of hard to explain, but I'll try my best. You, you use the right words. Submission was a huge part of it. Um, that also led to people pleasing, not being able to say no, being put in situations that I knew I wasn't comfortable in, um, that were dangerous and predatory. But because it was a man or someone older than me who supposedly had more life experience, mm-hmm. uh, I shut my mouth and kept my head down. Mm-hmm. And um, it really took a lot of learning. Um and growing and meeting my now husband to kind of give me my voice back because he lovingly, very lovingly (laughs) pushed me to kind of speak up again. And I'm definitely, he definitely runs our household, but it's an equal partnership. I'm not the, the domesticated housewife. I'm the feral kind. Um, Yes. Yes. when it's important um I know to let things go if it's not going to be productive to our relationship or our household or things like that but if it means something to me in any capacity I will speak my mind on it um I'm still open to being teachable that's that's a huge thing is just because you're not this docile submissive meek woman doesn't mean that you're not teachable right Right. Where the church really messes that part up is you can be submissive, but bold. You right. can be um, kind of a hard ass, but also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that um, sometimes, um, like you said, like pe- like the church really messes that up where it's like, you know, it's, it's okay to speak up for yourself sometimes. Like, it's not an issue. And not just sometimes, especially when you know that something's wrong. And, and like, they try to shun you for it when you say that it's wrong, especially if it's going up against something like a man has to say, which has always been intriguing to me. Part where you... Was that a sneeze? No, that Kane was like coughing. He's like been holding a cough for like five minutes. Oh. He's like, oh. I just said, what is, what is okay. No, he's sitting so, here listening. Like, yeah. yeah. So, okay. um, so picking up, you where, were talking about like men in leadership, kind of. Yes. Thing. Yes. So, so being being able to be both teachable but also bold at the same time I can't stand the word submissive and maybe that's because I need to like work on myself or whatever but like but however I will say that any man that treats me like allows me to be feminine they can like like I don't mind them being like and I think that's that's a huge part of what having a good partner does for you like when I met you, I was by no means submissive. <laughs> I was very much loud. I was kind of a dominating force. Nobody could tell me shit. Like, they yeah. really couldn't. Yeah. Um, but then having a man who treats me tenderly and lovingly, I don't mind submitting. Mm-hmm. And that's not in any way, like, 
supposed to be something taboo. But if when I can be that feminine, soft, I don't want to say weak, but like tender kind of person that I genuinely am in my core, I am a tender hearted person. Yeah. When you are able to bring that out of me versus the brick wall of I don't need you, mm-hmm. I have no problem saying, you know what? You take care of it. Like, right. you you be that guardian. You be that provider. You be that rock that I need to be. Right. right. Well, and I uh, think something that, like, especially in this day and age, something that I'm, I hate to say it, but I am, like, a TikTok just fiend. Like, I need it. And- <laughs> but something that um, I kind of for a while had an algorithm of is the idea of like a high value woman and mm-hmm. and um, but then also the exact opposite where you had men talking about well women are only good for this blah 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 and so what like it, it makes me angry either way because like it's like okay just because you are a quote-unquote high-value woman, like, you're displaying that being high-value means having a man that's buying you Chanel and pearls and taking you to expensive dinners and putting you in limos and roses and whatever it is. And then you have these girls who are seeing that and then become these weird, conceited, like, I'm better than you type of people. Absolutely. So in things like, you know, hey, it makes me uncomfortable to have a man pay for everything all the time. Do mm-hmm. to- they're like oh I'm not gonna let you like bring negativity to my life because I like I know what I deserve blah blah and it's like not believe it or not not everybody in this universe is rich okay absolutely and yeah like the women that are receiving those types of things it's not here in the U.S. of A okay I can tell you (laughs) so like finding the happy medium of when women like when you and I talk about submission it's not talking about being walked all over we are talking about being able to let that guard down that fight that we constantly feel like we have to have with every man we come across to protect ourselves being able to let that down and being able to be soft when i am with my man i don't have to think about a thing right I, yeah like and goes way down if i were to stress just one point about this whole submission thing Girls, listen close. If you feel like submitting requires you to break yourself for that man, that's not submission. It's abuse. Agreed. And if you find yourself being empowered by giving up that control, that is proper submission. And that is a healthy form of dominance versus submission. Do not break yourself to make him happy because that's abuse. And that's you can wrap all that in that little bit, but um, yeah. if, it, if it requires you to take away from yourself, it's not good for you. Yes. Like, yes. Any, any man that's trying to shave you down into a different shape of a person than who you actually are again, abuse, 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 mm-hmm. abuse. Um. So let's see. We have kind of discussed like the submission type of uh, thing here. And we, you kind of briefly grazed on on the uh, factor of how submission played a part into like um, obeying men even when they didn't have the best intentions. Mm-hmm. If you were 
people with it. Can we kind of like dive into that a little bit? Because I think that that's really something super important because you're taught, you're raised to, to like acknowledge the fact that, you know, men are, well, the fact, quote unquote fact, that men are the leaders and you should not question them. And that's like, you, like you were raised to be soft. So what did that end up being like for you in the world um, men? So in the world, leaving, when I say the world, I mean, leaving my parents home. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that looked like was, <laughs> at this point, I am 21, um, leaving my parents' house. I had never been on a date, never had a boyfriend, never had attention from a male. Um, my parents still took my phone every night to make sure I wasn't texting boys. Like, it was that kind of thing. So the first chance I got... The first man that asked, I said, yes, absolutely. I would love to date you. Because in my head, I thought, we're going to get married. It's fine. It's perfect. It's roses. Everything's great. And it was not, Megan. It was not. Um, But conveniently, he was actually an elder in the church. Or not an elder. Sorry. A deacon in the church. And um, what was it? Tell me the tea. What was the age gap in this? Um five years it was five years when I think deacons I think like balds very round yeah no he he was um when I met him he was almost 25 okay so it was about five years um I hadn't I had not quite turned 21 yet and um I wish all the best for him now but I'm real glad I got out. (laughs) It was very much, he used that. Well, I'm, I'm a leader in the church, so you have to make me look good. Uh, I had a beauty regimen that I had to follow. (laughs) I had, I need a sip of wine. (laughs) Girl, drink one for me too. I had, um, yeah, I had a beauty regimen. Um, there were standards to be upheld whenever we were seen in public together. Um, PDA was on his terms, not mine, um, which is really hard because I'm a very physically like affectionate person. Right. Um, it just it was so much control. And I was very much tricked into the idea that this is a healthy, godly Christian relationship. I am submitting to everything he's wanting mm-hmm. and we're moving towards marriage. Look at that. That's amazing. And almost three years later, he still hadn't addressed the issues that I had asked him to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't feel safe. Yeah. And that led me to kind of jump off the other end of being completely um, carefree, I guess. Not carefree. I really just didn't care. And not caring. Didn't care. Realize you're growing up. Yeah. 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 So after that relationship, uh, I jumped on Tinder. And oh, we all Tinder. Love Tinder. We love Tinder. What a healthy atmosphere to be in. Because girl. <laughs> because one time wasn't enough at the time. Okay. <laughs> so, but shout out to Tinder because uh, I met my husband there. We've been married for three years. It's great. Mm-hmm. However, neither one of us was in a good position when we were on Tinder. So, um, but yeah. It, it was definitely like one of those pendulum things. Uh, I started out at one end and as soon as you let go, you swing so hard to the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when I was, I went from being this tender, soft, 
biblically submissive woman um, to, you can't tell me shit and I don't owe you shit kind of thing. So learning that happy medium took some time. It took a lot of time. I'm still getting there. I'm still not, still not where I want to be, but a lot better than I was. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that like, that's where the, the real, like the real, I'm losing words uh, because it's the end of the day. But like that's where like the real cool stuff, for lack of better terms, like comes out of is knowing that like, yes, I like I'm I'm not all the way there. However, I have this person next to me who is helping me on this journey. Like we are both working together to, you know, move forward and not and not allow the same type of trauma cycle that has happened in, you know, your own family to continue. And I, I like, I think that's really, I think for, I was shocked, first of all, when you were, when, but you know what, not all, all shocked because, you know, I believe it or not, literally everyone in my friend group is, is, it might be something in the air. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's something in the Indiana water. However, I am perfectly happy being the kind of, well, no, I'm just the poor auntie at the moment, but that's. You're like the bougie cool auntie though. I mean, I have have, like slid up in your story and be like, can I be your niece? Like, yes. Like falling on a budget. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of talked through the different um, kind of things that you stumbled on, um, kind of bumps in the road. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of talked about the things that resulted from that and then just how you like mentally tried to recover from that. Um, but if you could box it up, like, what are some of the biggest things that you've really learned, you know, from, from the experiences, from the time that you are being raised or the time that you realize that what you're being taught is not like healthy to now? Um, I think the best way to sum it up is just because you're traumatized from your religion doesn't mean you can't have some sort of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really hard to look at the church and see so many of your friends and family sitting there preaching these things to you and then they walk away, but you can still have that faith. You can still find comfort in whatever form of religion you believe. Yeah. Uh, I don't tell people that I'm religious. Um, I always tell people I'm interested in religion um, because I think there are a lot of aspects of Christianity that I still hold and I still try to live my life by. I try to live a moral and good life, but I'm not going to sit there at the church in the front pew and shame you for however. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Understandable. So, Speaking speaking of certain things that you've kind of brought with you on the journey of Christianity and what's toxic and what's not, what are some things that you kind of kept with you and what are some things that you've just really been like, you can hit the curb? Um, I think the biggest thing uh, that I've kept with, with me is what everybody thinks Christianity is supposed to be is that whole like love and light thing. Like I'm going to judge you um to me and say whatever you want 
and I'll be like, all right, cool. You want you want to snack about it? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you be want with to snack you? about it. Yeah. <laughs> want to cheese it? I got you. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, but one of the biggest things that I've completely rejected and turned away from in the church is this idea that everyone has to look a certain way to love God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guarantee you. <laughs> When people look at me, they don't see the American Christian girl. Yeah. Uh, I've got tattoos. My ears are gauged out. I have piercings on my face. Yeah. Uh, you married a man from Tinder. I married a man from Tinder. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's that. Like You were on Tinder to begin with, and then you married him. Uh, <laughs> I moved in with him first too, so there's that. Um, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it doesn't matter how you live your life now. If you're making progress and growing towards being a kinder, loving, more understanding person, I don't think that makes you a bad person. I think, I think God loves you just as you are. Like, not to be all veggie tale about it, but veggie tales and nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think those are really beautiful, beautiful things to, and like, like you said, just, you don't have to look a certain way to love God or to, to show people that you love him and have a relationship with him. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest, for me, biggest takeaways from this conversation for sure, because I think sometimes it's really hard to wrap up, you know, okay, but what is being a Christian? Like, what do Christians look like? What are they supposed to be? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you and I were a different generation from previous Christian generations. And what hasn't dropped off is our relationship for Christ. But what has dropped off is what the humans, what us as humans have tried to create the perfect image of a Christian to be. So I really like that. So speaking of moving forward, you are going to be a mother in eight weeks and I still cannot like the idea uh, like you and I, we, we did like wine nights. We like <laughs> we <did. laughs> before we went to brothers so that we didn't have to pay because we were poor. And now yeah. I'm a mother. I'm eight weeks away. I've been married for three years. So it's like, so how that transition is huge, but you've transitioned and you've transitioned well from what I'm seeing. And, and what does it look like moving forward for you and welcoming a new life into the world? Um, I feel, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a catch 22 because mm-hmm. I'm having a little girl mm-hmm. and yeah. think of the wow. things that I endured and how my parents raised me as a girl Mm-hmm. And there are some aspects that I, I do want to teach her. I want her to be able to be a homemaker and know those things and stuff like that. But I also want her to know she can deck somebody if they disrespect her. <laughs> like, Absolutely. it's a thing that I've definitely had to be very intentional about um, and will have to continue to be intentional about as she gets older um, because she'll have her own trauma. She'll have her own things. She'll be messed up in her own ways. But if I can alleviate some of that parental, school, church trauma, you know, mm-hmm. if I can 
be there for her and just know that you're loved, you're supported. We're always here for you. And I actually mean that not just when it looks the way that I want it to. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, the biggest thing that I'm moving forward with. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry. <laughs> no, but I think that that's, you know, it's like the, the acknowledgement of like my daughter is going to experience traumatic things. Mm-hmm. Like that in and of itself is such a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching thing to be realizing. Um, but I think it's such a healthy and important thing to be acknowledging because that is that is you actively actively being sure that the trauma that you've experienced is not going to be the same exact trauma she experiences but even if she does it wouldn't be at the hands of you and Mm -hmm. and she has the safe space to speak to someone about it she has like the ability to heal from those things catch it immediately rather than you know 21 years later when she's trying to figure out whether she should marry a deacon or not (laughs) exactly exactly yeah I think that's very beautiful and I'm so excited for you you are supposed to be the emotional one and I'm like I know I know (laughs) it's been an emotional ride um both the podcast and the pregnancy but uh (laughs) I mean you know it's it these are things that need to be talked about yeah. And these are things that are almost, like you said earlier, they're cliche. Mm-hmm. But they do need to be talked about. And I think the more that we make it mainstream and not cliche, the more people can heal. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately why we're here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll stir the pot just a little bit. You know. I mean, of course. <laughs> I love the tea for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm again so so grateful that you took time away. Well, you didn't take time away from being pregnant. You like are still pregnant. <laughs> but I I like I can't I'm a grumpy, tired person and I cannot imagine like carrying something inside of me and also being grumpy and tired. So I really <laughs> also like that doesn't mean that I think you're grumpy. But there's just like a Okay. There are definitely times where I don't even like me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, thank you so much, Lexi. I really appreciate you. And listeners, as always, if there is any questions, concerns, thoughts you have, you know exactly where to find me. There are several different ways you can reach me, all of the different social media. I will be tagging Lexi in all of my posts. So you are welcome to give her a follow um, and see what the future holds for her and her little girl and her husband. And I'm like, we mentioned him a couple of times, but also like, hey, shout out to shout out to the other person that was involved in making the kid too. <laughs> for being here. So um, I think that, covers it like I think we well not covers it you know what I mean but like we got we we got through the gist of it and we mm-hmm. a really peaceful note <laughs> which is always super important to me we love ending on a good calm yes I really <laughs> breathe out yes absolutely so listeners 
um, I will be on your airwaves again here very soon um, with a different guest and probably a different topic, even though I'm sure we could talk about this one for hours and hours and hours. Um, again, hit me up on all of my socials. And if you think that you have some sort of trauma that you would like to speak about and think that would be helpful for others to know, hit me up, drop me a line. I'd be happy to have you on. And on that, that note, I need to go make dinner because I'm starved. But I just realized that. Are you also starved? I actually just ate, but like I could always eat again. There are two people here now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you so much again, Lexi, for um, coming on. And I look forward to speaking to the rest of you at a later date. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. Bye.